0: Thank you for that, Jessica. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians tonight. I do want to thank you for being in your place tonight. I want to thank you for doing a great job. We had a wonderful, wonderful service today. So many people here, so many visitors that you invited. You made them feel welcome. And then all the work with with the babies and the baby, uh, the parade, the video. Mrs. Esposito really put all that together. And she always does a fantastic job in the baby races and all of that. And uh, it's just fun to see the kids, okay? They did a great job. Some of the kids did a really great job running to their parents. Some of them wouldn't budge an inch. And I know how that is. Most of my grandkids don't budge, right? You can offer them candy. You can offer them money. They're not moving. So, But that was a lot of fun today. And so thank you for that. I think we had like over 20-something uh, <coughs> In the uh, dedicated this morning, and so, so many young families, and we're excited about that. Well, <clears throat> the last six weeks that I've preached, we are in a little series called Now is the Time uh, Not to Quit, Now is the Time Not to Quit, and we've looked over several things. Today, to, tonight will be the last one, and I want to look at something here from <clears throat> what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. The key word, the the, the word that's going to catapult us here is the word at the end of of this chapter, which is the word castaway. What do you think of when you think of the word castaway? Okay, most of you are thinking Gilligan's Island, right? How many of you thought of that? Shame on you. Come on, get with it here. So, uh, but what is a castaway? We think of that. Somebody that, that is on a ship, and the ship goes down, and they're lucky enough to find a deserted desert isle. And they're there, and they, they build a hut. They scratch and claw to survive. And then they build a fire, and one day, a ship comes by to rescue them. And then Gilligan blows it every single time, doesn't he? And they get off that island, that's what we think of. <coughs> you know, years ago, uh, many hundreds of years ago when shipping was the main, really, way to get around, <coughs> people were put off, and on a, uh, put off on islands and became castaways for other reasons. Uh, if they did something immoral on a ship, something wrong on a ship, they would pull over at the next island and just drop them off. I read a story of a a lady, she was a noble lady. She was part of royalty and she was on a ship and her and a group of people did some immoral things and they pulled over at the first island. They dropped them all off. And uh, all of them died except for the lady and several years later, someone saw the smoke and came and rescued her. Now she lost it because of her actions. But what is a castaway? Paul's going to talk about that. Paul's purpose, as you read through the, his writings and through the scripture, his purpose and passion once he met Jesus Christ was one thing, as get the gospel out. To tell everybody he could about Jesus Christ. To tell everybody he could about what Jesus Christ had done for him. To that end, he gave his life and he sacrificed uh, as much, if not more, than any other New Testament character there. He faced, they all faced persecution and Most all of the um, disciples of Christ, of his 12, except for Judas, most all of them died by martyrdom. And so Paul faced all of that as well. In verse 19 to 22, his passion to reach everybody he can is laid out. Verse 19, he says, although he was free, he made himself a servant to get the gospel out. And you see that in those other verses. To this person, I became this to reach them. Now, I will say this to make sure we understand that. These verses are often misinterpreted. Like, you do everything you can to get the gospel out, even if you use means that are a little bit shady or you use a lifestyle that's a little bit sinful. And by the way, that's not what he's talking about. In the verse there, he talks about the law. The law was his dividing line and how he did that. He's talking about he, he tried to reach people where they were at, right? Read the book of Acts. When he was speaking to the Jews, he told them, hey, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. I know the law. I was the strictest of the strictest, and I realized the fulfillment of the law, and the fulfillment of the law was in Jesus Christ. And so that's how he reached people. He wasn't, he wasn't you know, this like, well, you know, if they want to go party and drink, I'll go party and drink with them. That's not scriptural. That's idiotic. And so he's talking there, and, he, and that's his whole passion. But as we get to the end of this chapter, and Paul has described his passion in life, he now describes the, how, he, how he lived his life that way and how he was able to make it from, from when he trusted Christ until the end of his life living for God and not falling out of favor. But he does mention the one thing that he did not want to become And that was a castaway. Look at the end of verse 27. After mentioning these things we're going to look through, in a moment, he makes an application. He goes, less less by any means. He talks about, I I tried to reach everybody, the Jews and these people, and I I did everything I can to reach them, and, and here's how I saw how I lived my life to make sure I did it. And then he says, less by any means. When I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He says, I don't want to live my life trying to reach this world and trying to fulfill God's purpose for my life and doing everything I can to to get the gospel out to everybody I can and then I get to the end of my life and I forsake the things that I preached and my life is really nothing more than just being a a castaway. Well, what does castaway mean? The word, the biblical word castaway means not passing the test to be approved, right? Right? You think of food companies and things like that. What do they do? They don't just make something and throw it out. It's got to be tested, and they got to check it. What's in it? Is it healthy? Is it right? It's tested, and then it's approved for usage. Leading to that, it means that if I'm a castaway, I've not been approved, so I am unfit for usage. The word literally also means reprobate, which means rejected for use. And Paul says, I don't want to live my life trying to serve God and get the gospel out, and I've given my life, and at the end, or sometime in th- from the end, I deviate from that, and I become a castaway. I'm no longer profitable for use by the master. I'm no longer, I'm no longer fit to be used by him. That's what he's talking about. He wanted to live a life that was a- a- approved for spiritual usage, not disapproved for spiritual usage. He wanted to live a life where he was fit for serving God, not unfit for serving God. He wanted to live a life that was acceptable to God, to be used to serve him and get the gospel out, not to be rejected as a vessel for God. Now, it was Paul's fear that that could happen to him. Now, what about us? Could that not happen to us as well? Right? All of us here... If we've been Christians for a while, we can know somebody that was doing well and serving God and getting the gospel out. And for whatever reason, they sidestepped that. And in a sense, and I'm not saying this to be cruel or mean. That's not my point. The point is, in a spiritual sense, they become a castaway. They're not serving God. They're no longer doing things to get the gospel out or for the sake of Christ. But I like that Paul, in the verses preceding, as he's describing how we should and how he lived, gave us protections. How can we avoid that in our life? Well, let me give them to you very briefly this evening. First of all, he said, Keep focusing, keep focusing. Look at verse number 22. <clears throat> When he talked about everything he did uh, uh, to these different groups, here's why he does it. Here's why he does everything, and here's part of why we should live for God and do it. He goes, and this I do for the what? Gospel's sake. It wasn't about Paul. It wasn't about Paul saying, look at me. I'm a righteous Christian. I think Christians ought to be righteous. Look at me. I'm serving God, and Christians ought to serve God. It, it had nothing to do with what people thought about Paul. It was all about the sake of the, the gospel. It was about how his life, and if he were to mess up, how that would affect the, the gospel. That should be our focus, should it not? See, as I mentioned this morning when we talked about, about <clears throat> uh, uh, accepting Christ's offer to come unto him, uh, the first several were just things we do and how they're helpful for us, but the last three were, were, were more geared towards God, right? Serving him, getting the gospel out. That's next level Christianity. First level Christianity comes in and says, I'm saved now. What does God want me to do in my life? And God starts to work in our life and he transforms us. But as he's working on us and transform, and is transforming us, it's not so we're some statue or some uh, trophy sitting on a shelf. God wants to use us primarily for the gospel's sake. That should be our focus. It was first and foremost in Paul's. That was his purpose in life. Right after he met Christ on the Damascus Road, God told him, you are going to be a minister, which means servant, and and testify and be a witness to me. That's sharing the gospel. I mean, that was right after he said, God saved. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He goes, that's what you're going to do. And you know what? That was his purpose for the rest of his life. Sometimes we struggle because we try to make everything else our purpose. It was his passion in life. (coughs) Paul lived it 100%. Paul was all out all the time. And if it was going to be his purpose, and it's going to be his passion, then it had to be his priority. You know, sometimes people say, as they come into church or they come into Christianity, I'll do everything, but there's one thing I will never do, and there's one thing I can't do. I could never talk to somebody about Christ. Now, that sounds good had a guy come to my office one time. He was telling me about how he got saved and and this and all this stuff. And he goes, listen, and he was all excited about everything, Brother John. He goes, but there's one thing that I'm never going to do. I'm not going to talk to anybody. He goes, I do that through my giving. And I'm like, well, you brought it up, not me. And I said, that's nice that you give, and I'm glad that you do, but God expects you to go. We can't buy our way out of that one. God wants us to, you say, pastor, I don't know how to do it. You know, one of the things a friend day is taking, you know, you're new. Just invite someone to church. Amen. Get used to saying, I go to church, right? And you, you know, it's like <coughs> I'll meet people sometimes, and I'm talking to them. Uh, we were out, and I was talking to one guy well, a few months ago. We were out golfing with the boys, and this guy was with us, and I'm talking to him. And how would you get here? And I came to California to use my music. I'm like, oh, how's that going for you? You know, and, I, and he's like, what do you do? Now he had told me, he goes, Oh, I'm a I'm a worship pastor at some church. I'm like, really? He goes, What do you do? I, I, I don't think I said, I almost said I'm a real pastor, but I didn't mean to say. I, I, I think I told him, I said, I'm a regular pastor, okay? The last thing the church would ever let me do is sing. Amen? Say, man, we wouldn't need any space in the church if I was singing, it'd be empty. But, uh, and I'll meet people, what do you do for a living? And, you know, I was talking to other guys, like, I'm a pastor, they look at you sometimes, oh, okay, that, that, that's good. But, I, but I, you know, you may not be a pastor, but you're a Christian. <laughs> Invite them to church, you know what they're gonna figure out? This person must be a Christian. But <clears throat> we must be a part of it. By the way, you say, pastor, I've been around here a little bit, I sent you guys talk about that a lot. Because we do a lot of different things here, and I'm all for all the different things that we do. But the number one thing we must do, is get the gospel out. Say, why do you do all the things that you do? You're just trying to be a big shot? No, we're trying to get the gospel out. Say, Pastor, why do we have a bus ministry? Can I just tell you this? It's not because it makes our church rich. It costs us a lot of money. But you know why we do it? Because someone's got to get the gospel to this area. I grew up in this city. I lived in an apartment, same apartment complex as Pastor Esposito, and six, uh, between 60th and 61st on Cherry Avenue, and we did nothing but get in trouble. And you know what? I would have wished that someone came by our house and said, hey, <coughs> we have a church, and we have a bus, and we'll come by, and we'll pick you up and bring you to church. Amen. Not once did anybody ever come to our area. I, I hung around with a lot of people. I didn't know one Kid that ever said, that went to church, even on a butt, They just weren't doing it. We want to get the gospel out. We go to, these, we go to the homes now. You know why we go to the homes? Uh, they need someone to go there. They can't all come here. But you know what we want to do? We want to get the, the gospel out. We have guys that will go out and they'll feed the homeless and they'll do all this thing. Why are you doing that? Because we want to get the, the gospel out. Why do you guys go out on Tuesday nights? We want to get the gospel out. I mean, I don't know. Last time I checked, the Bible said this, go ye, not come ye. Well, pastor, we'll just preach the gospel and they'll come. Nope. No. They got to be invited, right? People are saying, oh, there's a church sign. I think I'll come. We've had some like that. I've been driving by here for years, and I saw your church, but they always say this too. And I've got your invitation on my doors, and I thought I better come. But that was Paul's focus. By the way, if we get the focus off of our lives onto Christ and what he wants us to do in our community, in our world, boy, it's easier to go forward, isn't it? <coughs> God's given it to us. We have been reconciled to God through salvation, and now it's our responsibility. Let me read a couple verses to you in 2 Corinthians. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 to 20, he goes, all things are of God. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. What do you mean, what's reconciled? Were we at odds with God? Yeah, we were. It's called sin. And Jesus Christ came to die so he could take away that one thing that was between, uh, between God and us, sin. Now, now, we were still sinners, don't get me wrong, but Jesus said, hey, I paid that. And because of that, his righteousness is on our record, and we're reconciled to God. But it goes further than that. Verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. God had a part because he wanted to be reconciled to us. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. Thank God for that. He wanted to take those trespasses away. And hath committed unto us. The word of reconciliation. That's interesting, right? I mean, here's Jesus, here's God doing all the reconciling. Now he said, it's your turn. Now he's given us the word of reconciliation. You know what we call that? Witnessing. We call that soul winning. Next. So we got to keep focusing. Next, we got to keep running. Look at verse 24. Know ye not? Now Paul used athletic terms. He says, know ye, know, know, know ye not that they which run in a race run all. In other words, everybody who's in the race, they're all running. But one receiveth the prize. So run that ye might obtain. And by the way, the city of Corinth had, a, had a, I believe it was an annual sports festival at that time that rivaled the Olympics. So when Paul said this, they knew what it meant. They knew what they were talking about. Like, hey, you're, these people come. The Bible was a source of, you know, it's kind of a source of, this is our city's thing, right? And these people are coming, and they knew how athletes acted. They knew what they were trying to do. They came, and they were trying to win. And so Paul gives that analogy. Why do we run? For the prize. Look what he says. But one <coughs> receiveth the prize. You know what the silliest thing in the history of silliness is? Participation trophies, Right? Like, oh, Junior signed up. Good for him. Did he, did he win? No. Hey, good effort, buddy. You gave your best. You ain't getting a trophy. Okay? Next time. We, there's something we ought to, think, go over very well, but what a sissy society we have. Junior came, and he got in the karate contest, and he broke both of his arms and had two black eyes. Good job, buddy. Participation. No, duck next time, okay? Just kidding. And I, look, I'm all for it, but, but I'm all for them competing, and I'm not, look, I was, I was like, when I coached our teams, they, they just didn't, uh, it was, they didn't do real well. Well, I mean, they did well, but it, they didn't do real well with the way I treat them. like, no, 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 we're not out here participating. We're winning. That, that's just what we do. Now, I used to tell them, I'm like, look, look at the name of, on the front of your jersey. It says Pacific. That means in English, we don't lose. Now, you know what happens Sometimes. Very few times, by the way, we lost. Right, Brother Vaughn? Wasn't very often. Remember one year we won two straight championships in football, and man, the next day (coughs) we played. uh, I was doing JV and varsity at that time. The JV team, we just beat that team the day before, like 26 to nothing. And I'm like, we got JV in the bank. And we lost. Like triple overtime. And I was not happy. And I looked at our guys. (laughs) I think it was Josh. I'm, I'll call him out. Josh was my running back. And Josh got on the ground like, man, I can't believe you were on the other two teams. at Two years, yeah, well, whatever. Uh, I think I walked over. I said, Josh, get up. They shook our hand. When we beat them, it's our turn to shake their hand. And then I went outside and I broke someone's window. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Look, <clears throat> they gave their best. You know what? Our best just wasn't good enough. But I didn't go in there and say, okay, guys. Do your best. And, you know, <clears throat> if we win, oh, well. I think I don't know if I told the story. I, told, I was reading something, and it was Tim Tebow. He said when he started football, he said he was like Pop Warner. I think it was eight or nine. He said, we got there the very first time the coach came and said, now, guys, let me just tell you, it's, this isn't about winning. This is about just having a good time. And this eight-year-old kid, Tim Tebow, raised his hand and said, this is America. You're wrong. It's <laughs> <laughs> the kind of kid I want on my team. No, I'm not. No, no, I don't even know where to go with that. The point is, hey, if there's a prize, go for it. Yeah. Now, you may not get there, but I'll tell you what. If you're going for it, you'll perform better. Right okay? And he said, there's a prize. Go for <coughs> the prize. Well, I, <coughs> of all the sports... In the world, the one that would least interest me would be running. Okay? I mean, if you're running from here to the back of the room, we're good. But I think they're talking about super long distances, right? I don't want to run long distances. You have to be really dedicated. And so he says, get in the race and run because there is a prize. Can I just tell you something? Our prize is not on this earth. Our prize comes when we stand before God. And and you know what? All of us can win that prize. But we got to run and understand that. He said there's a purpose. He says, so run. Now, what do you mean, so run? Because there's a prize. Because there's something, here it is, at stake. Run. That's what he means by so run. See, when we're living for God, we have to understand there's a purpose behind it it's not just some weird thing it's because we are we are we are we we are saved we're in God's family we're to be conformed to the image of Christ we have a purpose let's keep running we're not running for no reason there's not this you know well it's just not. no 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 there's a lot at stake here we have got to run we have a purpose look to me if there's no purpose what are we doing we do stuff in the church. Listen, if something has no purpose, it's like, why are we doing it? Because that's what they always did. My grandmother was here, and, and she did it. That's what we're going to do in church. If it doesn't serve any purpose, spiritually speaking, and I know you say, well, do we feed us? Well, you'll die if we don't feed you. But, but I'm, I'm just saying, everything's got to have a purpose. Everything's got to have a purpose. It's famously told, and Pastor Esposito used to mention it, if they, if when Michael Jordan, at the end of their practice, they would scrimmage. If they quit keeping score, he would go sit down. The first time he did this, they're like, what are you doing? He goes, if you're not keeping score, there is no reason for me to play. Purpose. There, we're not, we're, and then there's got to be a, pa- pa- a passion. Look what he says. So run that you may obtain. Look, you're not going to get it being half-hearted. Right? <coughs> I mean, and I get, you know, some people are not naturally passionate about things. How many of you know that? Right? That's why it was really good when I coached a football team and I also coached our basketball team. I would make, Brother Jim, I would make our guys play both. Now, Brother Jim's passionate. Man, put him on the basketball court, he's all in. Man, he's also tall. Remember, Brother Jim? I said, Hey, Brother Jim, you're gonna play football this year. He goes, Nope, I don't, I don't like football. I said, hey, great, that's fine, but you're not playing basketball either. Sorry, brother Jim. Yeah, no problem. Didn't mean to call you out there. <coughs> I said, doc, you're tall, right? You're tall. You know what you want in a wide receiver? You can't teach height, amen? You can teach a lot of things. You can't teach tall. And I'm like, you're going to be a wide receiver. And I don't know if you remember that game against faith, we were down by eight. We had like 30 seconds, no timeouts. We got the ball to 20. And I told Bourne, I said, brother Jim, go downfield. Throw it up for grabs, and sure enough, at the team you caught it at the ten, you went out of bounds, and I, we had one more play. We scored, uh, scored the two point conversion, and beat them in overtime. But I'm like, height comes in handy. But we had other guys, not you, that <coughs> they just were a little bit more passive, and, and I get it, <coughs> that's their personality. But I'm like, when you're playing sports, I don't want passivity. So I'm like, you're playing football, and then I put them out there on defense. Now, let me just explain football. If you're passive, you get run over, right? I remember, I'm not going to name these kids. But I remember they are there. They were super passive. Put them right in the middle. I'm like, well, hey, you, you better do something about this. I remember they got knocked a few times. Like, wham! I'm like, at least they were in the right spot, amen? But you know what? They, they're like, hey, I, I'm, I'm tired of getting run over. We'll run over them first, right? That's how it, but we ought to all have, and we don't have to be climbing the ceiling, but we ought to have passion about God. Okay, we ought to all have a passion about loving him and serving him. Now, don't give me this, Pastor. I just don't have a passion for anything. Really? What's your favorite football team? Yeah. <coughs> pa- okay, I'm just being mean-spirited. I don't even want to look at you. I feel bad, you know. Pastor, I can't make it to church at 930, but, boy, you'll be at the football game two hours early. Oh, man, man. <laughs> what are you excited? Look. Okay, here we go. Ready? You fish, right? Oh, Pastor, I'm not a morning person. Hey, we're getting up this morning at 5 to go fishing. At 4.45, you're knocking on my door. Pastor, you ready? Let's go. All right. Oh, wait, it says right here, quit meddling. <coughs> passion. Okay, passion. You, you can tell if you can, and we'll move on to the next one. You can look at somebody else. But <coughs> has your passion level come down? See, then it's, maybe it's a sign like we got to kick it up a notch. Okay, number three, quit, keep striving. <clears throat> Verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. I'll explain that. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we and incorruptible. <clears throat> now he's taking it to the next level, the sacrificial level. It, it, it requires sacrifice. Look at, the, look at the picture of af- athletics, right? Okay, look, the days, I know, they used to, you know, Babe Ruth ate hot dogs in the dugout, and so did everybody else there, all right? And, and, but, you know, athletes nowadays, they spend a lot of time training the good ones. You know, they watch their diet, right? <coughs> if you guys my age <coughs> and you like sports, you, you notice something different about sports today than back in our day. Uh, 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 um, the guys play to a later age. Like, I mean, like, when a guy was in his mid-30s, early, or mid-30s, it's like, he was done. Not today. These guys take care of themselves. They do all this stuff. Why? So they're ready. They're game ready. That's, that's what we're talking about. <coughs> Strive, <coughs> in athletic terms, means you enter the struggle with zeal. They're like, I'm striving. I'm not just in. Well, okay, I'll go. I mean, I'm in. I'm ready to go full bore, and I'm excited about it. That's how it should be. Why? Well, there has to be control. He says, "Is temperate in all things. You know what temperate means? Self-control. And I already mentioned it. You know why there, If again, there are so many guys that are so talented and they get in professional athletics and they don't do anything. You know why? Because they don't want to be temperate. They'd rather party. They, want, they already got the money, so why push for performance? Well, guess what? We're not, we're not getting rich serving God on this earth. We will in the next, but we're like, hey, look, there's a there's a better purpose here, and there are some things that would hinder me from being the Christian I should be. I gotta have. I, I don't like. I, I don't like the term self control, but what that means is we're willing to to have a little self control control, understanding that that is energized by the Spirit of God, and we do the things that we need to, not necessarily that we want to. And he says we are temperate. I say, well, what's the in all things, in all things, <clears throat> if you notice something and you think that hey, this, this thing is starting to be detrimental in my Christianity, then you're going to be tri- temperate. You're going to look. There are good things you can be involved with that aren't good for your Christianity, right? There, there's nothing wrong with having a hobby, but there to me, there's something wrong, and to the Bible, there's something wrong with having that hobby at ten o'clock on Sunday mornings. Why? Because that interferes with what God wants. He wants us to be together. To worship him. He wants us to be together to serve him. And so self-control, spirit self-control says, hey, this is is something I may want to do. It may not necessarily be wrong or evil, but the timing is wrong. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to be doing. There's got to be control. There's also got to be commitment. Now he says, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. We know back in the Bible times and even in the early Olympic Games, The the awards they got were temporal things that would just fade, right? You know, the olive leaf branch. Well, that's not going to last long. You know, we give away nicer things now, but they got to, even the things we give to to now aren't going to last for all eternity. But you know the crown we're getting? It is incorruptible. We understand that it is eternal in nature. So where are we going to place our value? See, if we place our value on the things of God and and the incorruptible crown we we get for serving him, then the things of this world just aren't as important as we may think they are. The problem is for most of us, we struggle not to value the things that really in the whole scheme of things aren't that valuable. All they are really is they get in our way sometimes. Third or fourth, (coughs) keep fighting. (coughs) We already talked about running, verse 26, so Therefore I run, not as uncertainly. <clears throat> so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> sometimes life just hits you in the face. It just does. Sometimes the struggle is just there. But we need to fight. Sometimes the world comes after us. Sometimes there are things that come our way. And if we're not careful, that would distract us from God. You know what, we just, we just need to fight some. We just need to say, no, this is where I stand. This is where God wants me to stand. This is what I'm going to do and be willing to put up a fight. We tell new converts, and it is true, by the way, God has a wonderful plan for your life, and he does. The Christian life is the best life in the world, and it is. But you know, that doesn't mean that there's not hard times. Well, if if there's hard times for a Christian, then I'm not going to serve God. I'm going to avoid that. There's hard times for everybody. It's just as a Christian, you have them for God. You have them with God. But if we're not careful, we allow that. Who are we fighting? <coughs> There's inward. Look at it. Not as uncertainly. He goes, I'm not fighting like, is this really a big deal? Is this, is this really important? That's an inward struggle. And by the way, all of us need to answer that. Is it really how I want to live my life? Do I really want to spend is this really the best way to live? You need to answer that. And you need to answer it in the affirmative. Don't answer it by what you're thinking or by what others say. You need to answer that by what the book says. Because the book says it is the best way. And by faith, we accept that. But what happens is we start to wonder if it's worth it. And if not, we won't fight for our spirituality. By the way, you know... <coughs> One of the easiest fights, and yet for some reason it's a struggle, is spending time with God. You get up in the morning, it's like, spend a few minutes with God. Oh, pastor, that's hard. I know. But when your favorite team is playing, you, you make time for that. When it's, what? When, I'm not trying to be combative. When it's dinner time. I've never heard anybody say, hey, it's dinner time. Too busy. Just can't get there. The table's like, bro, the table's the like 10 feet away. Okay, you don't have to ask me twice, right? In fact, you don't even have to ask me. I smelled it. I know where we eat. I'm there. Okay? But, but the, so when we struggle with that, no one's asking you to sit down with your Bible for 12 hours. Sorry, 6, I'll see you at noon. No one's asking that. But can we spend a little time? You know why? The flesh fights spiritual things. It does. you got to say, you know what? I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to do it even when I don't want to. <clears throat> You're willing to fight for your family, your marriage, your children. Now, I don't say fight in your marriage. I didn't say that. Fight for your marriage, okay? So we got to be willing. But there's also outwardly, <coughs> he says, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Anybody know what that means? What's that phrase we use for boxers? It's called shadow boxing, shadow boxing right? They're in the, <laughs> you know, everybody's the best boxers, boxer in the world till they come out, right? You know, you see them over there, and it's like, they're fighting the mirror. Well, look, you can beat the mirror every time. You know what happens when you step in that ring, nah, I don't like rings. You step in that octagon? Yeah? Guess what? There's an opponent on the other side, he doesn't care how you shadowboxed. He goes, hey, you looked really good when you were shadowboxing, but when the ref says ding, ding, I'm going to go ding, ding on you. You better fight back. Paul said, I'm fighting, and I have a real opponent <coughs> in front of me. Don't we understand that, Right? If you're going to serve God and love God, you have the devil and all that. you got to be willing to fight. And I'm hurrying here. (coughs) Number five. There's only six, so bear with me. Keep disciplining. We go back to that (coughs) preparation. Look at verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. This is talking about having discipline. Keep under means to strengthen and make hard. He goes, I work. I'm making sure that, that like an athlete would make sure their muscles are ready to go and everything about them is, is ready to go. They keep it under. By the way, why does why it keep it up? Because it's hard. No one wants to get up at 5 in the morning and run or, or lift weights or any of that, not, that stuff that they're doing. It's tough. I'm going to keep my body. And I'm going to bring it into subjection. Subjection means to bring into bondage. Almost to bring into slavery. Why? What is it? Why? Because my body doesn't want to do that, so I've got to willingly say, you have no choice. You're coming along for it. That's called discipline. That is why real Christianity is not popular. (coughs) You know what makes demands on your life? How many of you understand that? There are certain things, (coughs) maybe you don't understand. There are certain things, because I'm a Christian, God wants me to do. They're called commands. Commands are not suggestions. There are certain things God doesn't want me to do. Those are also commands. And they're demands. God says, hey, if you're going to be right with, that's why people, you know, Jesus said several times, if you don't do these things, no, 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 you cannot be my disciple. Well, wait a minute. I want to be your disciple, Jesus. Are you willing to fulfill the regulations, the requirements? <coughs> that's why it's important. It makes demands. And it requires discipline. Do you know that's not popular? You know what kind of Christianity we have today? Emotional. Amen. Amen. I'm a guy. I don't know if you knew that. Now it may change tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> Kidding. doesn't change. And and <coughs> emotions are great, but come on. We have this emotional, wimpy Christianity. We sing these little, not us, these little wimpy songs. I saw Jesus in the wind. I, I don't and it's it's whiny, it's girly. Say, Pastor, you said get over it. it it's so whiny. By the way, guys, you don't like that, and if you do, come see me. We need you need help. But well, just... and we come to church and we hear the little cutie pie, you know Taylor Swift wannabe singers, and ooh, I feel so good, and I feel. And then you leave here and you got nothing from God. Now, I'm not against emotions, but we can't live by emotions, right? How many of you ever had an emotional thought like, I don't want that, or that guy needs to be beat up, or, you know, that, that cat needs to be petted, whatever. You don't react on your emotions. Man, if we all reacted on our emotions, we shouldn't even meet together for church. We're going to have problems. And then, you know what else? And I'm not trying to nitpick, but I am. You know, and so now we bring it into the church. Hey. Thank you so much for being here today. Guys don't talk like that. Right? Just have a great time. I'm okay for encouragement, but why why do we think we have to change how we talk? We th- we what, but you we want a wimpy Jesus? By the way, the pictures of Jesus were not who he was. He wasn't some feminine, skinny, vegan, long-haired guy in a dress. He was a man. I'm pretty sure Jesus, hey, how's it going today? Going to have a good time. Mr. Rogers Church. Okay, no. Let's just be who we are. Right? Look, do do you think any of the prophets of the Old Testament talk like that? Thus saith the Lord. You better do that. It's wimpy. And so we have a bunch of wimpy Christians go out there. Are you a Christian? Yes, but I'm not mad about it. <laughs> to stand somewhere else. But, <clears throat> okay, I'll, I'll go back to being nice here. I'm sorry. But <clears throat> I'm okay with emotions, right? Sometimes you hear a song how many you heard a good song? It's like, man, that touched me. How many you know I'm talking about, right? Or, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but can I tell you something? Discipline says when my emotions go haywire, I'm sticking to the right thing, yeah. right? Because you, you, emotions, that door opens both ways, and I'm glad for it, man. I want to hear the singing and, and hear the choir Hearing, I'm like, man, that was good stuff. That ministered to my spirit, man, and I felt good. But what about when I wake up and I'm like, I'm not feeling good? Say, Pastor, do you ever wake up and don't want to go to church? Yes. Say, so, where's that alarm button? Okay. Then I have to face those people. And they don't like me. But that's okay, because I don't like them. But we're, look, we can't live by emotions. That's the point I'm making. Sometimes <coughs> discipline is, the, is being able to take what God says and say, look, I'm going to do this whether or not I feel like it. Because it's the right thing to do. And I think that's what's happened in our Christianity. We're trying to bring it down. And so just, hey, whatever you feel like doing, I just, I, I don't, I want to feel like doing what God says. And then when I don't feel like I do it, that God I want to do it, I'm just gonna do it anyhow. And so that takes discipline. And then last, (coughs) we won't spend any time on this. We already talked about it. (coughs) I think we should keep fearing. Look at verse the end of verse 27. Paul said, and again, Paul wasn't just saying this. This was part of the motivation in his life. He said, lest by any means what I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul said, you know what? I, I don't want to be a castaway. By the way, do you know anybody could be? I, I've been doing this a long, long time. And I know, I know men and, and ladies that were far better Christians than I'll probably ever be that got away from God and some things happened or they got involved in some things. And when I hear that, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to do that. And I know that if I'm not careful, I could do that. Right? Right? I don't want to be someone like, well, they used to have that (coughs) pastor at that church and he went haywire and did all this crazy stuff. I don't want to do that. And, you know, there's several reasons because I, I don't want to mess up my life. And and this wouldn't be for everybody, but I'm the pastor. I don't want to mess up the, the, the cause of Christ. I don't want to give Christ a black eye. I know good churches, they've had horrific things happen, and it's caused the church big issues in the community. I want to be careful that I don't do that, not just for the church's sake, but for Christ's sake. Because what, the, what most people think about Christ is they look at Christianity. And I don't want to, I'm not a big shot, I'm nobody, we're together in this thing. But I just, I just don't want to give them a black eye. I don't want to do anything that would ruin my marriage. I don't want to do anything that would ruin my, my family. And let's go back to the ultimate purpose. I don't want to do anything that would hurt the gospel, right? You've heard it. You, if you are a Christian for a while and you try to talk to somebody about the Lord, well, I know this hypocrite. How <coughs> I many you know what I'm talking about? I'll never believe any of that stuff because I knew this person that said they were this and they did something different, so I'll never listen again. Now, by the way, that's not Christ's fault. Right, Christians may disappoint you, but Jesus never will. But I just don't want to have to go through that. What about you? You know, people are looking. Your family members and all of that. And I hope you fear (coughs) getting away from God. I hope you fear, like Lord, I just I don't want this to go on in my life. I I I I want it to go straight forward. I don't want to be a castaway, unfit for usage. How do we do that? We have to keep focusing, running, striving, fighting, disciplining, and fearing. we got to put the effort in. But it's worth it. By the way, Paul faced so much. And what did he say when he got to the end of his life? I fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. He said, I got to the end. And by the grace of God, he wasn't taking personal responsibility. By the grace of God, I got to the end and I finished my race. That's what (coughs) all of us should want for our lives. To say you know I'm not perfect <clears throat> because none of us are. I'm not this. I'm not that. But to the best of my ability, I l- try to live my life for Jesus Christ and get to the end. Let's stand together this evening. If we could bow our head and close our eyes for just one minute, please. <clears throat> Someone told me one time, <clears throat> "How does God measure our Christianity?" And I heard this in decades, in decades. But somebody else said, it's not, how bright you, how, it's not how bright you shine, it's how long you shine. God just wants us to make it to the end. There's nothing better than the Christian life. There's nothing better than living with Jesus. And yet so often everything comes our way, and if we're not careful, <clears throat> we lose focus, we lose sight. And we can deviate. I know people that are castaways, and I don't say that in a... I'm glad or I say that with a heartbreak and I also say that knowing that could be me like that. And I want to be careful. I hope you want to be careful too. Piano's going to play this evening. (laughs) If God spoke to you, why don't you come? Why don't you come?